Hey, what's up, guys? Lucas Burnley here with my co-host, TJ Schwartz. You are listening to the Edge and Flow podcast. Uh, we got something a little bit different today, uh, which is pretty exciting. And I'm actually, I'm just going to hand it over to TJ and let him start running on it. Yeah, so I have been trying to scale up, get my operation moving, get my supply chain figured out, getting more and more into the physique of a like a manufacturing production knife company type format right and so it's always that blurred line of like oh mid-tech custom production blah 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 but i have kind of set out to to kind of define myself as like a manufacturer and so one of the things that has crossed my mind and we had talked about before is okay i'm a i'm a knife designer i design my knives but i'm a knife manufacturer now how do I feel possibly about designing or uh, making manufacturing a knife that I didn't design? And because of our friendship and how much time we spend together talking and how much I like your designs, it crossed my mind that perhaps a Schwartz knife manufactured through my processes that is designed by Lucas Burnley would be a very cool project. On so many levels. I feel like, I feel, I feel like at this point, you and I both are looking for these like learning, like teachable moments, basically, Mm. where you're like, okay, I want to test a concept, like work through, work through a process, develop a process. I mean, process is the product, Mm -hmm. right? So develop that process at a scale where it makes sense. And that that's that experimentation level. Mm -hmm. But like what between us now we have probably 20, 20 years of like factory collaboration experience yeah. yeah yeah so i think it's a really a really interesting project yeah right because we get to we get to see the pitfalls and the the benefits risks rewards from both sides yeah turn kind of turn the tables i mean for you it's it's a little bit like things you've done in the past but for me yep. I, i'm i'm on the other side you know it's yep. like I'm a manufacturer. And uh, one thing that I'll mention is we've talked about this only briefly. And I brought it up to Luke, what, two weeks ago or something. Yep. And I haven't seen any design submissions yet. So we're actually <laughs> going to do a design submission today that is live that I have not seen. So yeah, you guys. Well, are th- and this is this was this was something that we thought could be kind of fun because this is really the behind the scenes version of what happens when there's a factory collaboration and there's different there's different variations of that right maker has a design they really like they take it to like a company company takes it or shoots it down Um, but the conversations and the reasons that happen around that are usually pretty interesting sometimes they're transparent with the designers sometimes they're not transparent but with tj and i doing this kind of real time there's there's just I don't know. I'm, I'm super, I like yeah. uncomfortable situations. And one, so <laughs> one thing I, I want everyone to brace themselves for a little bit is that a lot of times when you see marketing materials about design, it comes out when the design comes out. Well, you guys are getting this live. So this is going to take like actual measurable amounts of time because you know, there's submission phases like for CRKT and companies like that. It's two years from yep. this conversation to you, the customer seeing the knife. It's not going to take me that long because I'm making them in-house, but just keep in mind, this is going to be a series of, of kind of pushing this project and rolling this ball forward for a number of months. And so we hope you guys can kind of come along for the journey with us. And that's part of why we wanted to talk about it on the podcast and get it started today. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty fun. I mean, yeah. And I guess from the timeline standpoint, we'll probably just do like check-ins you know it's not going to be like every episode but we'll just check in and talk about it when we have like relevant uh kind of relevant topics and Mm -hmm. there's so much wrapped up in this right which is like the the original design what the submission is how it fits inside like the company that you're putting the design so am i submitting a design that i think suits schwartz knives or am i submitting a lucas burnley design right Mm mm-hmm I, I think I know my answer on this one, which mm. is what I always try to do, which is mm. I try to design for the companies that I work with. I agree. But this one comes <clears> with <throat> a fun caveat, which is I actually designed this knife in 2015 <laughs> and it's never had a, it's never had a home. So when you brought this up, I like had this flash of an older design 
that I was like, man, that I've always wanted to make it. I've never had the, the real reason. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, here we are. Very cool. You want to see it? Well, w- yeah, without further ado. <laughs> okay. So, oh man, it's hot seat. This, this is a conversation. A lot of times I've got a rough sketch. I don't have, I don't yeah. have TJ level CAD for this thing. Okay. Uh, in 2015, I was doing a project called the 365. So I was doing a sketch every day for a year. This is one of the designs from that. There's two pieces to it. There is a, a sketch. And then I've actually got a 3d print that a buddy around that time was just like, Hey, that's rad. Let me 3d print it. And I had like no understanding or concept of 3d printing. And my mind was just like blown. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. So here we go. As of yet unnamed. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's tactical. Definitely on the tactical side. Okay. But I feel like there's some line work in there that starts to push it into. Oh yeah. That's pretty. Schwarzenegger's world. Tonto, flat. There's some problems that, to solve. No, I I like it. I you like it. I'm sorry that nobody else can see it but me. But yeah, <laughs> no, this is this is good. I forgot. I thought we were gonna do this with with video. Uh, do we uh, have video recording? I, I don't think we do actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. But but what we'll do is we'll post. I'm gonna post a picture of that design on the Edge and Flow podcast Instagram. Okay. And so you, we can even, yeah, we can shoot a little video or whatever. The notes right? for okay. this episode. Yeah. You, you'll be able to see this. I definitely okay. want you guys to see so, it. <laughs> all right. So here is scale more to scale model. Oh yeah. Okay. So what I like about it is it's like this hybrid of kind of that like 2000s tactical, like mm-hmm. chisel point, but it's got this like a yeah. little bit more swoopy defined yeah. handle. Yeah. Yeah. Super nice in the hand. I and like that, man. Reverse grip, same thing. Like the ergonomics of this. Yeah. Like all, I don't know. I just, yeah, no, it's, it's clean. Instantly what Very I thought clean. of. And it, it right? does, it does work in the ecosystem. I think it's clean. I think it, right. It's a smooth. Fit. So here, here is where we have a ton of flexibility because we can mess with the scale, right? The construction we know because we're, this is designed to be made the way that you are making your knives. Mm-hmm. So from there, I think these are the real conversations of like, well, how, where does this fit in in the catalog? Yeah. Well, what problem and what customer? I, I, yeah, I have a couple couple notes on that, actually, because okay. I'm glad when I asked you. So we've talked about this before, but I've never designed what I would call a tactical knife. Mm-hmm. And if you look at my branding, like it's very outdoorsman-y, very bush, not necessarily bushcraft, but like hunting, camping, outdoors, overlanding. And so... I could theoretically approach a tactical design myself, but when I was talking to you, I didn't say this, but I was hoping you would kind of throw something tactical at me because you design tactical knives pretty often. And so I'm really glad it's tactical. But one of the reasons (laughs) here's a little, the process is the product tangent on this is that. So generally what I've found in the high end fixed blade world is that the outdoor like bushcraft fire making types are let are not super fond of blade coatings. Yep. Right. They, they like a tumbled finish or a satin finish because yep. it doesn't wear like when you're uh, batoning kindling, you get a lot of wear on like a coating, but the tactical guys on the other hand, really like coatings because so coat everything. So you, you get rid of <laughs> reflection, you get rid of, you make it match your firearm, you make it match your kit. You can make it camo. You can make it like more matte. We like to like to color coordinate. Yeah, color coordinate. <laughs> and it's and because it's tactical, it's not really the design that you would then like drive through a stump. And so you right. don't end up wearing coatings out very fast. Can I go but, on two tangents? Quick tangents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Coatings. I absolutely love coatings. I think that the the thought or opinion that coatings when they're scratched are less is is why people don't like coatings. Mm -hmm. If you have a blade that is a steel, which rusts and you coat it and that blade has scratches everywhere, all over the coating, 98% of the blade is still coated. It's still doing its job. So the real question is like, are you actually just not okay with a tool looking used? The aesthetic. Yeah. So it's the aesthetics because from a function standpoint, a coated blade that is scratched all to hell 
is still super, mm -hmm. super functional and yeah. the coating is still providing yeah. protection for the blade. No, and I, I agree with that completely. And so right? my the part of why this is important to me is I think that Cerakote's beautiful. I have a Cerakoter in my supply chain that is amazing. He lives, like, or his shop is like around the corner from me. And it, I continually think like when I'm selling Overlands, like I wish I was selling more Cerakote because I like it so much, but yep. it's just not what people are buying in that scene. Right. And so I'm like, if I had a tactical knife, I would probably launch it only in Cerakote colors just yep. to like define it in its own category of like, category. this is a tactical branch of Schwartz knives and they're Cerakoted knives and this is why. And yep. I could maybe have a few more colors, but then ditch the stonewash. Well, um, and this gives us, this actually gives us two other areas to play with. Second tangent on that, the thought process post-coding was that the other reason I, I felt that I could, this design would work well for you, but this is true of like most of the tactical knives that I used to do is tactical for me was never about purely an aesthetic. It was, it was a very function driven thing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I always tried to design my knives so that they would work well in a range of scenarios. Mm -hmm. So like, do you remember the Huck? Yep. So the Huck, the idea with that was essentially like, it was a knife that you could get as like, a hunting knife as a teenager and then you join the armed forces and you go to war and you can take it to war and you come home and it's your hunting knife mm -hmm. and then it's your kid's hunting knife. And that yeah. just that, that storyline, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't like making things that are overly aggressive. I don't like making things that through their design, make them automatically not work in other mm -hmm. scenarios. So mm -hmm. like even this, like, it is, it's a Tonto, right? Like it has a chisel point, but there's belly to the Tonto. Yeah. No, so I like dig that a lot. Hybrid. It's a hybrid. So for me, this is like someone in your, in your current customer base, who's really into outdoor knives for purely the function of them is like, Oh wow. That's like, those are yeah. different lines. Yeah, that's yeah. really sexy, but I can still use it the way that I use a knife. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I dig it. I think it's, I think it's mint. I think it fits what I'm looking I to do it. and I like it. So you That's guys fun. just witnessed a successful design <laughs> submission. So, yeah, no, it, it, it fits the parameters that I had. Like I had a, a gray box that needed filled with a knife that was tactical that I would have coded and that is ergonomic that could be used outdoors still because that's a lot of my customer base you nailed it man you got it all right so, so here's another one here's another one that I want to bring into this because you're doing coatings our like Burnley brand is, is kind of interesting because it's such a hybrid of things, but there's a component of it that I have always considered like almost, man, it's, it's hard, like almost in like, like the fashion side, but not, not from fashion, just from the, the way that I try to use like patterns and color and like goals mm -hmm. moving forward. So one of the things that I would love to do with this, since we're doing coatings, is really play with some cool variations on like, like the post-tactical concept. Like mm -hmm. what is a post-tactical camouflage? Yeah. Yeah. How do we make it functional and how, how is it not woodland? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's another level that we get to yeah. play with. Yeah. Yeah. Serico offers a lot of opportunities there. So cool. And let me ask, what's the overall length of that ballpark? Where are we at? Uh, overall length on this, that that's actually one of my, was my only concerns was size wise. Well, and it, it might, it might actually work size wise. It's probably right in there with, uh, maybe the overland, maybe a little mm -hmm. bigger. So let's see four and three quarter. Call it like just over nine over. Oh, so it is overland size. Yeah. Yeah. So from there though, the cool thing about this is that you, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, which is like neutral handle design. Yeah. Gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of scaling. scaling. Right. I think a little bigger. Okay. I love where, it. And, and part of it is again, like I'm thinking about my process when I'm looking at yep. picking this up, the bigger the knife I've come to yep. the conclusion, the harder it is to do a stonewash finish. Yep. And so I'm worried about making outdoors knives that are too big with my current vibratory tumbler setup 
because I'm yep. going to lose the ability to do a clean stone wash at some point. But with this, what, do you, if, what size do you think that actually becomes? The Overland's working great. It could be, it could be bigger. Uh, I could do bigger than that. I, I, I don't know though. I wouldn't know until I had like enough knives to get data. Well, the cool thing is we can actually, we can do, now we have something else that we can use as a test because bigger yeah. knife, what I think is actually going to happen. I, I saw in your tumbler right now, your basket is rolling vertically. Mm-hmm. I think as soon as you put a longer knife in, it just rolls uh, horizontally. Possibly, yeah. yeah. And I think that you, you guys may have seen it on my Instagram if you're following me, but I what he's talking about is I've been working on ways to tumble knives in a vibratory, uh, it's ceramic media in a bowl that vibrates that actually puts a stone wash finish on a knife. It's, it's what happens with a little bit bigger fixed blades, i.e. anything bigger than a folder blade, is there's more leverage on the part from the media. And so if a tip of a knife contacts another knife, like say right in the middle of the bevel, there's so much leverage where that media is pushing on this large piece of steel that it can really like dig into each other. And folder blades, I think, are less prone because they don't have the leverage of the media like grinding them against each other. And so I created with my Overland, it's definitely on the size where it's starting to do that. And so I created cages. So each Overland is floating inside of a cage, like a bird cage looking thing. And the media can get inside the cage, but the other knives cannot. And so it's isolating them and, and protecting them. And it, it, I think it's a scalable procedure that I think would work Definitely. on bigger knives. But I know that the cage makes the knife even bigger because it's got to be right. big enough. And so there is a limit, I would imagine, without me having a massive tumbler to like how big could that knife be? Right. And so I don't or know. Or how many limit. knives can you put in a tumbler at yeah. once? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean you're you could how long is your tumbler? Oh, it's like thirty eight inches. 30, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean you could basically be doing like a wakazashi in there, like yeah, a yeah. short sword. Yeah. You just can't put twenty of them. Yeah. And and the thing they'll just I think they'll just barrel roll. Yeah. You know? I, I think it would, but from a manufacturing standpoint, like I'm looking at I'm looking at all of this like in in the hundreds of quantity right out the gate you know and so it's i'm just trying to think of if we made that bigger already knowing that for for many reasons we were going to code it we can make it bigger and afford to do that without me getting a little bit of sleep lost over whether i'm going to be able to tumble them if that makes sense and so bigger is is okay but how thick do you think a knife like that needs to be in a tactical world how big does it want to be I was thinking, what did you say the blade was? Like four? It's like like four and a half-ish. Like I would say the blade, maybe maybe we could push that up to like five plus, five, five and maybe a little more than five. Yeah, I think that gives you, that gives you a pretty good size knife. And actually the handle really probably wouldn't change too much. Um, and I would, this, I think this is going to be one of the funnest parts of this project, which is because of your ability with CAD and like the things that you've been teaching me, my thought is I'll, I want to do the CAD work on this, but I'm going to have you as a resource to be able to go back and forth and really Mm -hmm. like streamline it for Mm -hmm. your production process. Yeah. Um, And you'll be able to see like pitfalls or like if I'm, you know, making huge problems and the idea of building it as a robust model so that we have the potential to like make changes, mm-hmm. scale things like, yeah. and that's one of the things that I've really been struggling with, with fusion is like knowing where to create the, like what is tied together. Yeah. 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 Right. How, how do you make it an adjustable um, platform? Okay. So we're going to do a 10 inch blade <laughs> and yeah. this one actually like in reality, I'm just looking at lengthwise six inch, you could do five, you could do six. So it reminds me of some of um, like early 2000s. I loved the cold steel. I think they were, what was that? Like the master Tano or something. It was just like really classic. They did two. They did one that was like a, like a hunter blade, like a trailing point blade, but it had like this really traditional Japanese handle. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, don't see that much of that type yeah. of work anymore. Yeah. Let me, um, one more question about the Tanto. Yep. Can you hold the picture up one more time? Yep. So, Okay. So when you design a Tonto like that, do you yep. picture sharpening that in one shot or, or do no. you picture two, two, you're sharpening distinct? two sections. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. Di- di- some people do a Tonto and they'll actually sharpen across the two. 
Yep. But I was just curious about that, thinking about sharpening procedures. Well, and I guess that is you and I, you and I are both like, I think very visual designers, mm-hmm. right? Like the function is very, very important, but we are not willing to sacrifice some like visual that we see there. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a great reason to have to actually look at, well, one, can we, can you do this? Yeah. Yeah. For right? sure. Okay. Yeah. Can you finish it? Finish and then it. it's like, can we sharpen it? Mm-hmm. You know, is that, does it change your process enough? Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think that's kind of the whole point is like, you're also testing like what mm-hmm. your system can, mm-hmm. can handle. Yeah. We're adding a, um, a little bit of that so far is the only thing that other than the tumbling question that so far is the only thing I see on that, that changes the way that I would have to approach it at all. Yep. Otherwise I could make it this exact same way as the Overland. And so that's fine. I think it's solvable. Um, yep. I'll have to there. What I'm thinking right now is you've got the straight bottom edge. I, f- yep. I, I jig sharpen everything. I don't freehand anything. And it's okay. kind of like, I'll never probably go back from that. And so what yep. I would do is have, probably two jigs and I would sharpen the first edge on, on the first jig, put yep. it on the second jig that, that kicks it up and do yep. the second one. And it, it would, I don't see how that would be an issue. So even with a little bit of radius to the tip. Yeah. So the, like the overland and stuff, um, right. has a huge belly in it. Yeah. I sharpen it like that. Pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that's fine then. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, man. Yeah. So, okay. Back to your original question. Uh, at the current size we're at right now, I probably am in the three sixteenths range. Yeah. Yeah. If we went much bigger, I might push it. Yeah. <laughs> I and might push it to quarter of an inch. St- steel type. Uh, that's something to be discussed because there's so many options. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, do I you, for, do you keep in, ahead. do you keep in mind? I've been doing all Magna cut through and through. Yep. But it, 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 the coding strategy that we have also yeah. does give us a, a that's possibility. Exa- that's of a what I was steel. actually going to say. So yeah. what I would, my gut right away would be like CPM three V. Yeah. Right. Like if we're making something that is essentially made to be tough mm-hmm. and like perform in less than ideal situations, um, three V when I was doing this type of work, I loved it. Yeah. And I always coded it. So one thing I know about 3V, yep. it is, as far as I know, it is the worst, hard, it's the hardest on carbide tooling of any knife steel. Okay. So that's one thing that that's is, a, yeah. it's not insurmountable because 3V, right. people machine that all the time, but right. soon, I, I knew you were going to say 3V <laughs> and that's what I was thinking. And I was like, <laughs> I, I've heard many a manufacturer complain about machining 3V, yep. but I guess uh, if we decide to go that route. So I think what we, be... I think what we do in this situation the the parameters are a little bit different and that's that makes this project really fun mm-hmm. um we're not trying to hit a specific price point really but we know based on the construction and the work that you're doing now that we can be inside of your pricing and mm-hmm. that's so that's that's really yeah. important as a designer right like i'm designing yeah. something that fits what you make yeah and how you sell it but we're not tied yeah we're not tied to like any yeah. specifics in there. And if, if when just for clarity for some people out there, the single biggest hard cost in any of my knives is by far the steel. The actual purchase of the steel, mm-hmm. which might shock some people, but in a like high-end custom folder, that's not true because it's not very right. much steel. But a fixed blade full tang is a lot of steel. Yeah. Um, and the CPM steel is it's expensive. It's like expensive. it is. And so if we go So I would thick, say we look though. Yeah. Right. Look and see, because I mean, I don't know in that world because I'm not doing, I'm not doing like big tough mm-hmm. knives, mm-hmm. I'm doing folders. Right. Yeah. And I also like really simple steel. It's like, I still love CPM 154 for yeah. pocket knife. Like yeah. it's a pocket knife. Yeah. I love it. Um, I would say we see like what is comparative to three V at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. Start and, exploring that. Yeah. And just kind of start exploring and see what we do. Uh, another one that would be fun that I'm going to throw out there. And this it's funny. Cause now my, like, <laughs> like my, my designer brain is like kicking in, which is like, is there a potential for a premium version? Right. Right. Premium. What would make that pre- What would be the difference? 
So premium on this would be, hmm, maybe like a super gold Sanmai blade. Oh, you're talking about like Damascus, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. and some kind of rad handle construction. So I have it in my in in my brain to like bring out a more custom because I'm moving so production. <laughs> I it gives me this clearance to have like actual true customs coming out. You know, you mm-hmm. see it in like all the manufacturers. You got like the Benchmade Gold Class. You've got like right. the Marfione Customs that he does, where it's still like right. the production knife, yep. but then he takes it into the back shop and like totally changes it. Tweaks I, I want well, to do you that. See, like you said, Benchmade CRKT has it with their higher end models. Um, Let me ask you yeah, this: Yeah, I mean, w- uh, would you be open to? Okay, so we order the steel, I machine it, heat treat yep. it. This would be getting CNC ground. Yeah, but would you be open to me holding a certain percentage of them for hand grinding um, that you could hand grind that would be like, Oh, that's an kind of isolated into like a, that's their, their own category. Like the, maybe the uh, what's it called? Like the initial launch of the knife is like a limited quantity that you ground or something. Yeah. I'm open to that. I, I, I don't know if I like it for the initial launch though. Okay. I would almost say launch inline version. And then down the road a little bit, release like a custom version. Okay. Yeah. I just feel like order, it makes more yeah. sense that way. Yeah. Um, but I'm open yeah, there too. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, man. And no, this, I'm so excited about this. Like, yeah, I, me too. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just, I, it feels cool to be like this conversation. I'm like saying things that I've heard said to me before where like people are like, yeah, but our process is like this. Yeah. And I, I know as a designer that that can be so annoying, you know, it's like, that's the age old trope of like the engineer versus the designer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like classic, yeah. classic or engineer versus machinist versus machinist you know, like, or like the manufacturing floor guy. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's funny. So I, I hope I'm not bothering your, uh, your, uh, this your is actually, old... this is actually kind of best case scenario. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think as, from the design side, I think there is a lot of value for companies to have have someone on the team that can be like go between mm-hmm. in these positions. And like you and I are kind of in unique scenarios because we we have actually been that yeah. kind of both ways a little bit. Um, and I think that you and I both are not are not so tied to our design that we don't take into account the companies that we work mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I feel like you and I working together is yeah. actually like a very, na- like a very yeah. natural, easy fit. Yeah, it works good. Um, so let me ask you this. I'm just spitballing yeah. here. If, if we wanted to go like big, big on this knife, like really get yeah. it fat and long and just like a stout unit. I'm, I'm of the opinion generally that when you get really large like that, if you're using like the most expensive steel that money can buy, I think there be, there gets to a point where the value proposition is eroding on that steel because someone mentioned it one time. And that is if you have like a 12 inch long knife and it's made at like quarter inch thick and it's made out Mm -hmm. of like CPM magna cut, so much money is paying for that whole entire tank to be magna cut when Mm -hmm. the edge is really what matters the most. And so it's like, you're starting to like, light money on fire when you have a full tang knife out of like a high end. I actually steel. disagree with that. You but disagree. I do. Go on. And the only reason I was bringing it up is I was like, if you have just a like absolute monster, is it, would it be of any interest to maybe offer like a high end, like a high quality, but more standard, like maybe a CPM D2 as the standard and then have like the upgraded model so that the entry point is still accessible. But then if someone's like, I want two pounds of Magna cut, in my right. on my kit then they could do that i think it's all about application so like mm-hmm. i see a knife like this you start to push it out to big fighting knife range like a combat and when and mm-hmm. the people have such different ideas around what tactical knives are so i already said like i don't like to design things that are super aggressive mm-hmm. for me tactical always meant like <laughs> used in the pursuit of tactical thought. So Mm -hmm. you are in a situation that requires you to possibly think outside of the box, problem solve and deal with things that are different than your standard everyday 
uh, kind of uh, encounter, right? Yeah. Like, so I look, if I, I think, okay, if someone is going to carry a knife with a nine inch blade or an eight inch blade, the chance of that knife being used inappropriately is like very high. Mm-hmm. It's going to chop things. Yeah. Right. It's going to possibly stab things. It's going to possibly get used to pry things. So at that point, I, I like the analogy of, of like swords. Mm-hmm. It's a great, like go on a little tangent. Um, the forging side is really interesting because one of the things that they do is they differentially heat treat blades and you're like, well, okay, I've got this super steel. It's really, really strong and it doesn't bend. Okay. It's not life. Mm-hmm. Everything bends. It's yeah. just like a question of how much force you apply. Yeah. So if you think about like a battlefield, right? Old school, <clears throat> a bent sword is way better than a broken sword. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of look at that. Like we're doing, we're doing stock removal knives and we're doing modern steels. We're not going to get a differential heat treat, but there's still value in having something that is so tough that it bends. Well, I guess, it breaks. I guess what I would, I guess I, I agree a hundred percent, but here's right? what I'd say to that is that I think the, the cost that proposition to get like into magna cut and 3v and stuff mm-hmm. is that you're trying to get toughness edge retention and stainlessness as high as possible because those are kind of right. the three if you haven't heard this before three it's like pillars. there's a triangle of toughness edge retention and corrosion resistance that if you pull on one usually the other two suffer mm-hmm. and stay and like a, a magna cut type high-end steel would try to maximize all three as much as possible whereas like a if we go back to like the D2, I'd have to look at the, the data, but like sure. a D2 may be more tough or as tough as Magna Cut, but it, but it doesn't have the corrosion resistance. I would get, well, D2 is like a specific one, like edge holding high. Yeah. Corrosion resistance. It's got 12%. Yeah. From, it's right it's around there. It's, like, it's basically a borderline stainless. Yeah. Okay. But it's not as, I think the toughness is lower. I don't, I'm, I've okay. never used Magna Cut, so I'm not super yeah. familiar. Fair but enough. if we were talking about it to like a 3V. So yeah. if you think about a pocket knife, edge holding, edge retention is like primary because you're not yeah, yeah. using that knife to pry. It's not, you're not worried, you're not chopping with it. You're not worried about yeah. like blowing out an edge by chipping. Yeah. So the requirements of the steel are totally different. Yeah. So For I would sure. say, I would say with this, if you did go big, we would look at like, what is, what is the actual intended audience? Is yeah. this something that we're like, you know what? You're going to buy it because it's cool. I I feel like your ethos around your knives and manufacturing, I don't actually think that would work. So it's like, yeah. we would have to make the decision. If we make a big knife, we have to make it a big knife to yeah. really work. Yeah, yeah. And no, from yeah. there though, there, maybe that's where you look and say, Maybe it's not 3V. Maybe you start going into some of the other, like, yeah, I don't know where exactly. I, I, I don't like, know the steel off the top of my head, but I know there are carbon steels yeah. that can match the toughness and edge yeah. retention of something like Magna Cut totally. with, with consequential losses to corrosion resistance. Right. I'm just saying, like, if we're going to go full coating on this as a yeah. strategy, it gives yeah. us the option to not spend the extra X amount for the corrosion resistance when we're coating it anyway. Right. I guess that's what I'm saying is like, what well, if I mean, we can you achieve could, you could even toughness? do, yeah, you could even do some crazy stuff. Like you could do 1095. Yeah. And then, and then do something like, like draw the spine back with a torch yeah. and then coat it. Yeah. And you actually would have like a differentially hardened right. knife that still fits in your design aesthetic but provide something that the uh, like stock removal knives on the market for the most part don't. I mean, there's yeah. like, there's so many ways to go. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So I think the steel <laughs> question, it the size is going to drive that because yeah. if it is like 10 inches and we're going like not much over three sixteenths, like maybe, yep. maybe 200 thou like that, then this isn't such a critical issue. Um, I think we're, we're going to be in good shape using like a three V or Magna cut. I was just kind of, I was spitballing because it's like, if, if you had like a 10 inch chopper, yep, that's where, the cost to make that out of like three V or Magnica yeah. is it's really shocking. Really goes it's up. so much money. And so, yeah. uh, I think we're in good shape and probably don't have to well, have and that, that conversation. That's another one. Like where, where we're at position wise, the cost goes up, but so does the price. Yeah. So what are, you know, what are the comparable knives on the market? Yeah. 
what, how does that fit with your current customer base? Now we're, we're actually getting into like some of the really like collabi conversations. We also did something that was pretty interesting, which is it's when you're in these conversations, it's really easy to get hyper-focused on one detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like stick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like back, you just back and forth forever yeah. on it. So yeah. Thumb stutter, think, thumb hole. It's like, yeah. wait, we <laughs> yeah. never talked about what steel or how long. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think that ultimately I, I don't see this necessarily needing to go to a big knife. Yeah. I think that we, f- we scale it to fit well and maybe, maybe provide a length that isn't existing in your current line. Yeah. I think, and then just let it sit. I think five inch blade. Yep. And make the, and, and get the handle and the, and the balance right with the five yep. inch blade ish, yep. which is not much bigger than that. Right. Yep. And so, I'm thinking like, I guess in my head, I see be- somewhere between five and six inches. Okay. I always thought like for years, I thought a seven inch bladed knife was the perfect knife size mm. because it was, I don't know. It just, it's, it was like a, it's like a small Bowie kind of, but it's like a big knife. The, the thing about big knives is that you can do little work knife with a big knife, but you can't always do big knife work with a little knife. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like that. Yep. So no, I, I think it, that. I think at five, five and a half inches, it's a variation on your current models, Yeah, but it's not a departure. Yeah, no, I agree. Right? I agree hundred percent. No, I okay. think it's, I think it's a sweet project, man. And okay, let's real quick talk about this on the handles. Yep. When I think tactical, I think texture. Yep. Do you think that? Totally. And I think, um, yeah, one of the things that I liked for this was these little like side cut details. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I felt like really fit well with the Overland. Yeah. 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 And so figuring out how those are actually shaped is going to be one component or, or if they're shaped, because I look at this and you're like, you could one, it's not shadow boxed in this image, but we can, Mm -hmm. so we shadow box it. You could do a full contour and then texture the whole thing, or we can, maintain these like little cutaways and then texture the the yeah. top surface i'm inclined to do that because everyone yeah. loves texture in their palm but they don't yeah. like it in the crotch of their hand interesting because your fingers where you're, where you're putting pressure like if you're down cutting the yeah. if where it's that's where the pressure is but the there's no real pressure on the palm but that's yeah. where you're trying to grip it yeah so i like well how- and i think i think with the shadow boxing too one of the things i love about shadow boxing is it it works like rotational jimping. Okay. Yep. So yeah, you don't want a knife that has hot spots. You don't want a knife that is like sharp in any way, but you want a knife that grips when you intend it to grip. So mm-hmm. especially with tactical, I think like, Oh, like there might be like gloves being used. That's like a prime candidate for neutral handle shape because your hand is automatically bigger than it, than it is normally. Mm-hmm. And you have material there with, in my feel, like the way that I feel, and I guess this is like totally debatable, but the goal is you have the shadow box and then you have these cutaways, which are also maybe like stepped or hollowed out mm-hmm. material of a glove actually like bunches up into those yeah. and just provides like an additional gripping point where you're yeah. not actually having to hold the knife tighter. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Right. Yeah. Cl- it's like clocking in your hand. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Which is the opposite of what you want for like a bushcraft knife because the right. bushcraft knife, oftentimes you're holding it at a like 90 degree angle than what you would yep. normally hold a knife for like some kind of woodworking. Sh- uh, like if you've ever sat down and carved a spoon, like you, right. you're holding that knife in all these different angles. And so it kind of needs to be like a broomstick. Uh, but well, with- and that's like, there's a basic tenant here, which is, Almost nothing trumps the elongated oval. Yeah. That's the handle yeah. shape. That's mm-hmm. the human hand. Like if you close your hand and look inside, you have an elongated oval. Yeah. So the goal with things like this is to provide the function, like provide some additional functionality, but also never move away from that elongated oval. So for yeah. me, I do want, like, I want you to be able to use this thing like a draw knife or, you know, at some obtuse angle. And it still be comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? For sure. Pretty cool. 
like what it. else, man? What like where do we go? We're we're like forty minutes into this thing. We have we have a project. Yep. Looks like okay. You're gonna have to take it to the to your people. Make sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> make sure everybody's yeah. on board. Yeah, I got I got to go to the board <laughs> with that. Okay. Um, go so, to the sales team. Right. Uh, so I. Uh, I guess one thing I'll add is like, I just ordered a stupid amount of steel. That's that's why I'm like thinking about the steel is like, I just wrote a huge check for steel and like a huge check for handle materials. And so this year I'm, I'm ramping up. So that's like the, that's what's happening. And that's where this knife comes in is a little later in the year when it's, uh, things are moving. So I'm excited. Let me, let me ask you a question, um, from the designer side. Okay. New, newer company. You are a super talented designer. You have, I assume the bandwidth to keep designing. Okay. What's the major reason for you to do a collaboration? Like what, what's the draw? It's a great question. So as you, as you pointed out, like I, I'm a, I came into this as a designer, so I wouldn't necessarily from a, like from that standpoint, I could have tried to design a tactical knife and probably had success at it. But there's more to brand management than just the, like, I think I could have nailed something that's aesthetically pleasing and stuff, but collaborating with another brand like yours, who has an audience that I think is very different than mine has a ton of value because like, I've been really, really leaning into like the outdoorsman type situation. Mm -hmm. And you've got some people that are like that, but you have a lot more urban feel to like your audience. And this sort of tactical like leans that direction. Mm-hmm. And it's like the design will access those people's uh, like interest like mine maybe could if I did it. But you have the presence already in like a different sphere of people to share that with me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that <clears throat> and that's actually I think that's one of the prime benefits of collaboration uh, in general. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is shared audience, expanded audience uh, increased education. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what you don't know. You don't brand, you don't know brands that you don't know. Um, for me, this, this one is interesting for a couple reasons because <clears throat> one at this point, I'm primarily fixed or folders. Right. But the first like seven, eight years I made knives, I was all fixed blades. Mm-hmm. I would actually say that the, the majority of my customer base that is interested in like this type of design is actually an older component of the brand. Mm, yeah. Right. But a lot of them are still there. Yeah. And so this solves two problems, which is I never like to leave a component of my business or like my customer base behind just because I'm moving on to other interests. Mm-hmm. So I see this as like, okay, this can could actually satisfy a group that has been like missing yeah. something that I used to do. Yeah. No, that's okay? that's awesome. I like that. that. So I think it, that's a really, really good time. The other thing is I love fixed blades. We know that for production design, folder is king. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you are an American manufacturer. How's that feel? Real good. That specializes in fixed blades at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So from the standpoint of like, what do I deliver to you? This is the, this is the best project. Yeah, yeah I agree. So that is actually a really unique mm-hmm. place to be. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. And, and in addition to like the business case for collaborating, I just think it would be fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Cause like it's, I do a lot of stuff in my own head. Like if I, I design the knife, I come up with the process, I'm out there making it, I'm sharpening it. I'm, I'm putting it on the website, taking the pictures, shipping it out. And it's sometimes I'm like, man, it'd be cool to have at least one more voice in here. You know what I mean? And it's like, maybe not always, but like as an exercise in part, like I want to hear what you think, like, because you're going to come in from a brand management standpoint and look at and say like, well, why don't we sell it this way? Why don't we, why don't we launch it this way? Like, and it's, you know, there's other value that you're going to bring that is beyond just the design, you know? Right. We talk, we talk about that a lot, right. Which is like, the design is, is very important, but like in an ideal world for me, the relationship between a manufacturer and a maker designer should involve some of the opinions and experience. 
and it of both. That's mm. the whole point. I don't want to work with a company that's just like, give me a design. And that's yeah. the end of the relationship. Yeah. And I don't, pro- I feel that I provide some resources that are more than just like, Hey, here's this knife that I made. Mm-hmm. So if it's not, if that isn't, isn't like, doesn't look like a potential out of the gate that almost negates any future work. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't work with a company who just was interested in the, the pretty picture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for sure. well that actually, that actually brings us up to like some other things. So as you're starting this process, now you're essentially starting a collaboration process. Mm-hmm. So what's the contract look like? So my idea for this is to okay. structure it in a royalty format. Okay. So well, we'd already had this conversation briefly, but yep. I'm just telling everybody. I mean, we want to be really transparent, like to a fault transparent about this because I, 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 I like uh, I want to I want to show you guys what it's like to be a designer and what it's like to be a manufacturer <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. Um, so a contract that is yet to be actually written, but the concept is a royalty paid monthly that okay. is twelve uh, percent of revenue to me. So yep. that's the way they usually structure it. So if I sold, let's say, ten of them to a retailer, right. I would pay you twelve percent of what the retailer paid me, not the MSRP which is right. is the way that we, you know, understand our contracts to be written with companies but to you know the audience out there that's how they're usually structured is right. net to me 12% of that I pay to you monthly. Whatever whatever yeah whatever that number is. I will say right out of the gate um and we didn't really talk about this 12% is a very very generous <clears throat> royalty. I think it's the highest royalty I've ever heard of in the industry that's just strictly designed that isn't like that doesn't involve other aspects like maybe financial investment or like ownership stake or like something like that. I don't know. Okay. Have you heard of a higher percentage or no? I haven't. I feel like highest industry that I keep hearing thrown around is maybe 10%. Yeah. But, and this is the question. It's like 10% of what? You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so I, man. I said 12% because I wanted to be the highest I've ever heard. Like that was okay. the way I wanted to do this. And in to circle back, when I talk about the value of this is that my only fear I'm ramping up production so much and selling direct to customer. My only fear is I don't want to end up in a position where I I'm, I'm absolutely needing a huge retailer network to be able to sell them all. Right. Because they would, I would lose so much as far as the margins and I could do that and make money, but like I'm trying to figure out how I can, I, I like working with retailers Right. Don't get me wrong there, but I don't want to become dependent on them right? overly so. And so if I have a new access to a new audience with you at 12%, right. that's less than what it would cost me to go to a retailer and then pay them the margin to resale. You know, so it's like... Interesting concept. I'm, and I'm honestly, man, I'm like really curious to see if it works. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, and like, yeah, realizing there, there, there are some variables in there. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you are, you are accounting for like some of my like time in the industry yeah, probably. And I'm grateful for that. Um, that's more than generous. Um, I'm very curious to see if it works from a structural standpoint. Yeah. Cause a lot of these things like you hear and you're like, well, what, what, what if it does scale or like, does it work if you had four designers or does it work if you, do you have a variable scale for designers Mm -hmm. based on some random criteria? I, I th- that's a great question. I think, I think the design collaboration, I will continue to be a very small part of my catalog Yeah, because I, I probably have like five more designs like in a hopper yeah. that are mine that like that could carry me for honestly like years. And yeah. so this is an exciting thing to do. And it's like a little yep. bit of a passion project working with you, but I don't know if I am setting this up to be like a defined part oh, of the like business an ongoing model. thing. Right. It could be though. It could be. I don't, we'll see how it works. I don't know. Well, if you look you know? at if you look at like like Chris Reeve, I would say they probably had like a similar setup. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, Chris probably really liked working with Bill Harsey. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's a few other collabs in there, but the majority of those collaborations, I feel like, were around Bill. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that could have just like Bill had a, a design, and actually, kind of maybe the same type of setup, it which is. is Bill was super super tactical. Yeah. That's where his customer base and his and like vision laid. Mm-hmm. And that was what he provided for the, well, yeah. okay. So here's another, here's another one from the designer side. 
a lot of times when you and I are going to a company, we probably know like one is none, mm-hmm. right? This situation's a bit different, but does that logic hold in that if you have a designer in your brand, you want multiple offerings to fill out the, you know, you guys can't see me doing quotes, but quote unquote catalog, mm-hmm. right? So that would be something that I would say it's like, what in, what is that? Yeah. Well, yeah. It would, it would come to, I think I can't imagine myself bringing in designers to do outdoor knives right now. Like right. to your point, because you it's like, satisfy that's that what need. I'm trying to do myself. Right. And like, it just, I don't know if it makes sense, but from a tactical standpoint, I like having you on board. Maybe there's another sphere that would make sense to have something, someone else. on. Or board. maybe like, it's just, maybe there's a very, like some tacticals. Yeah. Like there's, you know, you're doing like, and, and this is, this is always the goal, right? Which is you fulfill it's the same thing you're doing with your outdoor knives now. You are trying to satisfy function and aesthetics and grow that audience. So the the Overland is like a fairly radical design, right? Mm-hmm. Your newer model kind of comes back into a little more traditional. Yeah, yeah. So you're starting to play with, hey, they both are like very functional, but it might be a different set of eyes that enjoys yeah, them. Exactly. The tactical side could be the same thing. A big, a big knife person is different than an EDC person. Yeah. The the EDC side is kind of where you think I think the like that's more the urban. Mm-hmm. But you're able you could you can still design around that ecosystem of tactical and be like, oh yeah, this is this is the like post-tactical, urban tactical. Mm-hmm. EDC market, yeah. which you also don't have at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Exactly. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of value. I'm glad to, glad to have you on board. Like I said, everybody listening, if you're interested in this project, definitely follow along, but it is, it's going to take time. And like, you're going to see what is going to go into this. Cause we're going to have repeated conversations about, okay, finally deciding what steel to use, finally deciding on the size, like talking about my suppliers and vendors and what I'm doing and sharpening, you know, all these things like we want to talk about on the podcast because we want to show you what this is like, you know, from both perspectives. Well, and even, even from, from my standpoint, it'll be cool because as this progresses, how do I talk about the project? Mm -hmm. Um, How do I help promote when we're ready to launch? Mm -hmm. Um, Where, where am I providing value past just the initial design? Um, and I always say like, this, this actually will be really interesting, but I always say like the best point in a collaborative re- relationship is the first fight <laughs> yeah. because the first fight usually actually illustrates what the relationship is. Yeah. You and I might be in like a very different situation. It might be like a mild disagreement, yeah. Yeah. but if you can't make it past the first disagreement, first fight in a project. Just pro- yeah. it, you know, the relationship's probably not. It's like there. the old story, like never propose to your girlfriend till you at least had one big fight, like one kind of thing. Fight, yeah. <laughs> and taking a trip. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do do some extended travel and get, yeah. get in some fights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So what are, what are next steps from this? So like we've kind of, we got a handshake agreement. Yeah. Right. Pretty so common. we need to, we need to put something on paper in that regard. Yep. Um, We'll have to decide to what degree of legalese we want to pursue on that. Maybe we could have a conversation about that or, you know, exactly the structure with the nitty gritty. Um, well, I will say like a couple things that are worth noting, right? As designers, you and I both will never sign a contract unless it's open-ended, right? Yeah. And, w- and what that means is as long as this knife is being produced, the designer is being paid exactly. royalty. Yep. That is that in perpetuity, if the knife is made, the royalty is paid. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so that's like, that's a big one. The, the monthly thing, normally monthly payments are my absolute favorite. Mm -hmm. I might actually push back on it in your case, just because of the output and the management of it. And I don't, and it, it might, it might work, but it also, it might work to have it quarterly mm. depending on like how often you're dropping. My, my only fear with it is like if I go. Oh so yeah, I see the, it. The, the way I sell these knives is they're, op- 
so far, like they're always open for sale on the okay. website because they're yep. ordered and built. And so there's not like a, there's not like drops per se. Okay. But the problem is, is like, just like with taxes, yeah. It's like you go too long and you lose track of what's going on. And like, ah, <laughs> it starts to hurt. I, I owe some money all of a sudden. So that's like, actually, that's actually interesting. Cause I think, I think that some brands it's like additional bookkeeping to pay monthly. Yeah. But they have the resources just to like have this bucket that that's like, okay, cut it out of that bucket. Yeah. 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 Right. So yeah. So maybe in our case, like monthly, monthly really does make more sense yeah. especially at one yeah. one designer one not yeah a big deal. if uh, that's the thing the other thing about bringing on more designers is i don't want it to become too bloated from a management standpoint right um but if i run your knife you know for number of years and just yeah. keep keep you know keep it simple yeah but uh <clears throat> but yeah it's i'm looking forward to it a lot i think uh the getting the contract set up is, is a big one and i think we've got to start working on the cad I think, okay. I think that's really a big part of this is like to visualize it. We need a real 3d print of the actual yep. final idea. Yep. Um, and then really the first like big bite, like the big, big red jump off button is ordering steel. Yep. Uh, and that comes really early because nothing starts until that starts. Yep. And so we got to get in a position where we're actually ready to order steel, which is getting it dialed from a 3d print standpoint. Only because there's order minimums for certain portions of the process that I go through. And there's certain minimum quantities that I would want to do for the size. And until we have a DXF, at least roughly of what it's going to be, I don't know how much steel to order. Okay. So you, know? you essentially, like my my job on this one is to get a initial CAD drawing of the tank. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and honestly, the handles and like the actual final details can come in later. It's yep. fine. Like we just need to know before water jet, yep. but getting the steel. And the reason I like to get on top of ordering steel early is I'm, I have severe like insecurity about doing anything when I don't already have the steel in my shop. Yeah. I get because that. especially in this day and age with supply chains, like that's the one thing that could just like destroy a project is if you like, you get all ready to rock and roll, you got your steel planned out, you call in like, Oh, we're not doing another heat for six months. Like it's sold right. out. Spider Co just came in and did a huge order. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like you, you can get absolutely thrashed on the steel supply side yeah. if you're not like really preemptive. And so as soon as possible, when we want to go, we order steel. That's how okay. I approach it. So what I'm thinking is since I don't have a physical prototype of this knife, what I will focus on is getting essentially a profile drawing that I extrude. Yeah. My skill stops. I'm still I'm still not functional enough to be able to model the bevels. So, can I run one thing by you? Yeah. How about if you get the DXF for the Tang dialed? Yep. Then I can start taking it into. So here's the thing: is I actually model in SolidWorks because the right. surface modeling is better, and I prefer to surface model all of my handles. Okay. So if you got me the DXF, we could collaboratively get it to where you're wanting it to go but in SolidWorks, which I could do. Um, and so I could basically take your DXF and do, and like get the, the bevel and the handle scales modeled okay. in there with your direction essentially. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, that's actually a really interesting proposition. Um, well, and this, this comes down a lot of times, like where's the efficiency? Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm with 3d modeling. My skills are very basic. Okay. But I've got the vision of this model. Mm -hmm. Your company actually has the ability to iterate and model very quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. So from, from that standpoint, like this is one, it, and it, it's like two, as a designer, it's like an ego check because like, of course I want to do the work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm not making it with my hands, but I still want to feel like yeah. I've got my stamp on it. Yeah. But I would say in this case, it makes much more sense to let you do that also because you are actually the physical manufacturer. So you may make small tweaks to the way that something is modeled that I wouldn't see. Right. So it actually, instead of redoing my work that took exponentially longer than yeah. it should have, this is a more efficient well, process. I guess the only reason I say it is 
when I look at the handle and I think yeah. about the hand, the way I'd make handles, yeah. I know Fusion's not going to be able to do it. And it's not necessarily it's not necessarily you. Right. It's SolidWorks. It's not is, you, it's the software. Well, well for real. Like, <laughs> I when I design I I don't design handle scales in Fusion at all because F- SolidWorks is so much better at okay. at, at, at surface well, And maybe maybe what we can do with this is maybe maybe when you're working on this knife, I can like zoom in mm-hmm. sometimes because yeah, yeah. I would love to see right now. I'm just trying to get as much information and like practices as possible. Yeah. We don't even have to talk. You don't have to explain anything, but if I, if we can screen share and I can watch you, how you're modeling this, I think I'll probably learn quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. And, right? the, and the only reason I say that, like I said, is uh, I like showing like part of my brand is showing CAD that's like kind of at that next level. So like if you yeah. look at a chamfer and say, oh, it's a chamfer, like I know how to do a chamfer. But then you look at it, you're like, wait, it changes angle. Like it's domed. It's right. like variable. It's it's, yeah. it's a surface. And it's like, that's how I like, that's how my lineup is yeah. from an ergonomic standpoint. And so it's it just requires SolidWorks. And yeah. like I said, if you're instructing it and you're, we're on a Zoom call, like that's fine. Yeah. That's, that's what I'd like. That's what I'd prefer. Yeah, I love, yeah. I love that idea. Well, it's, yeah. it's interesting. This is, this was my argument for like hand, like truly handmade knives for so long. Right. Which was, I can do things by hand that I didn't know how to do on the machine. Now that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the machine can't do it. That meant that I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. But I also, when, when I say machine, I really actually mean CAD because mm-hmm. you see a lot of knives that come out that are where they're really CAD driven designs and it's all it's all flat flat from a standpoint of like all the chamfers chamfers. are the same like radiuses are true radiuses like there's just there's not almost the imperfection of the human hand Mm -hmm. and a lot of times i'll draw a line that i'm trying to do something else and then i realize like oh no i actually like this better Mm -hmm. um you know key key like makers in this world that i think do such like an amazing job with this, like Dmitry Sinkovich. Yeah. Where yeah. you're like, you look at it and there is like, there's no straight line. And yeah. like yeah. every chamfer is like a variable pitch and angle. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, they're amazing. Yeah. Right. For sure. But if you don't know why, if you don't know what you're looking at, it's just a pretty, pretty nice. But yeah. like, to me, those are, you look at the people that comment on his work a lot of times, like a lot of them are makers. Mm-hmm. No, because for sure. you see it and you go, Whoa. no, I, I 100% am inspired by everything that that man does. That's yeah. for sure. So I think that this for us, I mean, it, it ticks all those marks. Yeah. It's not necessarily an easy knife. It's not super traditional tactical. Um, and I can see like right now I'm looking at it and I'm like already seeing like small changes and like elements of your work and my work that we can, that I think we can integrate really well. Mm-hmm. Like, is there an area where we're adding some jimping? Yeah. You know, or like a glass breaker on the palm or, or... or like a glass breaker, or is there an area to do something slightly different? Is there like, how are and we doing the lanyard I w- hole? I want to or... say it right out the gate. I don't want to influence. I, because I'm a designer, I have this thought of like, well, I want to yeah. influence, like I have my opinions. I want to try to reserve those. Like when I think about doing the CAD and stuff, like I want, I want to model it to get the right curvatures, but I, I'm trying to make sure I temper myself in influencing any design decisions because this is a Burnley design. And I want to make that to clear to everybody. Like the goal here is not a collaboration design. It's a Burnley design that I'm making. Like that's how, that's that's another one. Like I would kind of push back on it because I feel like, well, I guess it's relative. So like something we would see often is a change in design made for a decision around manufacturing. Mm-hmm. If that gets bumped back to the designer with an explanation, you have a much better yeah. outcome than if the manufacturer just is like, hey, we're changing this so we can make it easier. Yeah. So like my ask would just be, if, if I design something in this knife that doesn't fit inside your manufacturing process, we just discuss it yeah. and come oh, yeah. up with the solution together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? For sure. Because you might see something and be like, oh, man, I actually just don't want to cut that diameter 
radius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. If you if you talk to me about it, and, and this the crazy part is, you would be able to see what I was trying to accomplish. Right. And you would be able to m- maintain that from a design uh, kind of parameter. So obviously, well, well, maybe I'll rephrase that. Obviously, it's going to end up with some short stink on it. Yeah. Because I'm making it. And it should. But it's, but it like on the knife itself, it's going to say Burnley design, like not Burnley Schwartz design. Like it's a Burnley right, design. Right. It's not a Burnley I'm, X. Yeah. Because if I like okay. go in and say, hey, I'm changing the blade shape. What do you think about this? You know, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be like a true yeah, I get it. collaboration from a like vision sense. Right. And that's not what it is. Okay. I like that. Um, other questions. Um, oh, I guess. Another thought around this from my side is that it also fits from a sheathing standpoint in your current model. Mm, So knife is prime for Kydex and it will function in Kydex very well. Yeah. Well, so that, and sheathing is actually like when you're talking fixed blades to me, like I kind of came up with the thought that no, I didn't come up with, like I grew up with the understanding that a fixed blade is only as good as its sheath. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You can't carry it. You can't use it. Yeah. And it's, that's like doubly true in tactical stuff. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. because if it's not tough, like, and the retention's not good and the mounting points aren't good. Like, and then someone we'll- throws it inverted on, you know, web gear. Like they don't actually have something they can trust their life. Yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I think that this is, this hits that mark too. Yeah. And you'll have to change. I see some things that you'll have to change in the Kydex process but minor. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Which is cool. And that, that'll be, that'll be another thing to talk about when that comes up, when we yep. get to that bridge. Sheath design. Well, and you, I guess, I guess in sheath design, you and I actually have like pretty similar concepts. I say, actually there's some differences. That'll be a fun one. Yeah. yeah. That'll be a fun one. Cause she- I do different, I do different mounting and like, uh, like attachment from the standpoint of like, if you're going to wear it on a belt, I do my yeah. attachments differently. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, man. What else? I think we're. I think we're set. Solid. Okay, yeah, that's a yeah. solid first meeting. Yeah, that's that's a design meeting right there, guys. We could go on forever, cool. but we, we'll we'll have more installments coming. And and this isn't going to be the whole podcast either, because right. there's obviously going to be times where we're, you know, this is going to take enough time that there's going to be breaks where we'll just normal podcast behavior, and then back to like talking about the project. So gut, it feels like. There's going to be times where it's a once a, once a month conversation. Yeah, I could see that. And and then probably as certain things are ramping up, you might have twice a month. Or, yeah, there might, you know, it'll have different density points. Different density. Yeah. Um, man, super, super exciting. Yeah. What so a fun, I'm, What a fun project. I'm going to post this on Instagram, and I'm going to also make sure it has the image of that knife so that if you listen to this and you aren't by chance on Instagram, you can go to Edge and Flow Podcast at edge and flow pod on Instagram. And then there'll be a picture and maybe we could both post it on our, on our actual normal socials as well. So you'll be able to find it. All right. So if you're a Burnley fan, go leave me like a, go leave me a positive comment on this design. So the manufacturer knows it's good. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Right on. All right, man, let's, uh, let's wrap it guys. Thank you for listening. Um, hopefully this will be something that you guys are interested in fun projects. Yeah. Yeah, Um, It's going to be fun review. And listen next time. Sounds good. Peace, everybody. See you guys. Peace.